Welcome to Open to Hope Radio with your host, mother-daughter team, Dr. Gloria and Dr. Heidi Horsley. This show is brought to you by the Open to Hope Foundation with the mission of helping people find hope after loss. This show has been edited for your convenience. Now, Open to Hope Radio. Our topic today is to take away the hurt. Our guest is Flavia Whedon. Flavia is one of America's leading inspirational writers and illustrators. Encouraging the expression of real feelings, her concern to bring hope to the human spirit constitutes the core of her life's work. Known for her gentle understanding of the human spirit, Flavia has touched the lives of millions for over four decades. With the grace of her words and the simplistic beauty of her artwork, she reaches into the hearts of people and reveals the power of care and the presence of hope. Flavia shares her own experience of loss and reminds us, time will soften the pain, but it is love that will heal the heart. Flavia suffered the loss of her two baby boys just one year apart, and she's written a beautiful quote that I'd like to read. Living through the loss of a child can lead us to a deeper knowledge of life's gifts and a kind of strength that we never knew we had. The time came when I could no longer dwell on questions that had no answers. And I searched for insight and a rite of passage to change my focus toward positive memories and feelings. My healing began when I realized I could not have felt this sadness about losing my babies unless I had first been blessed with the joy of loving and wanting them. The real emptiness in my heart would have been never having had them at all. Wow. Well, Flavia, welcome to the show. Thank you. You make me... Uh, I thank you for reading that. I'd forgotten that I had that I had said those words, and uh, I I have notes about those same words. But you read it so eloquently. <laughs> thank you. That's truly how I feel. They are wonderful words. Wonderful, wonderful words from a bereaved person. Could you tell us about uh, your two boys and and what happened? Yes. Um, uh, first of all, from the time I was a little girl, all I wanted to do was to have children. And so uh, my first baby, a little boy, was born two months early on a Halloween night. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, uh, first I should say most preemies, um, especially during the seventh and eighth months, have immature lungs. Their lungs are getting ready to develop so that they can uh, breathe outside oxygen. Right, they're kind of sticky together. Right, and yeah. uh, I had never, I didn't, I knew that, but I didn't realize that all hospitals, uh, especially small ones, um, many of them don't are unequipped to handle preemies, and that happened to be one of the hospitals, the hospital I was in then, and uh, when he started struggling to breathe, all I could think of was to, uh, I just started shouting, do something, help him, help him. Right. And uh, finally, the, uh, he was delivered by a nurse because my doctor never got there. Oh. And uh, um, there was, I remember the nurse saying, we have no special care for preemies. And I thought, special care? I mean, you do something. Anyway, I remember the next instant, I remember reaching over and holding his hand. Oh. And I, ha- I held it. Oh. Um, and he only lived about five minutes. Uh, what, what was what is his name? I never named him. You never named him. I have him. to tell you, I look back on these. I've had, I've had uh, 
um, people ask me, uh, what did you, what did you name him and what did you, uh, uh, did you have him buried? What, what, all of this. Uh-huh. And, and you, you guys, during that time, I mean, I, when he, when he was born, I hadn't, I thought, we have two more months. I have, you know, we can decide right. what to name. Right. And so all he, all he was to me was my little boy. Uh-huh. And, um, I, when I was holding it, I held his hand until he died, and he only lived about five minutes. And after those minutes, I was still such, I was in such a state of disbelief. Um, right. That it wasn't real to me. I thought, I'm in, what is this? I'm in someone else's nightmare. Mm-hmm. Um, and my world became so blank and empty. And all I could think of was all these questions that I had, uh, and they were unanswered. And uh, I remember feeling like my heart wanted to scream out that giant word, why? Right. Um, I, I think that those... Um, that feeling of why that no one could answer stayed in my mind for such a long time. Uh, I couldn't let it go. But somehow, now this, you have, everyone I guess has individual thoughts about this, but somehow my thinking of him and not letting go of me being with him um, was keeping him alive in my mind. I thought uh-huh, if I yeah. stopped thinking about this, I can't go on with my I mean, you can't just go on doing what you were doing. What You can't let him go. And that was, mm-hmm. I remember that being in my mind. And um, Well, Slady, I was wondering because I know some of our audience out there have had these little uh, preemies die. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was wondering then, uh, that was how many years ago? That was in 1954. Mm-hmm. Do you think ago. people have gotten more? Were they attentive enough to you? Did they realize that? I mean, how did people treat you? You mean in the hospital? And, yeah, and outside. Outside. Oh, just I think most of the little notes I had and most of the messages that people would give me was, uh, I don't know what to say. I'm so sorry. Mm-hmm. That's, uh, and there's something else here. My father-in-law was, um, my husband and I had only been married a year, and uh Mm-hmm. My father-in-law was a doctor, general practitioner, and uh, he's the one that uh, said, "There's a doctor I want you to go to." And I, he was my, he became my doctor, but he wasn't a, an OBGYN, and uh, it was very different then because I just guess I was unaware of a lot of things. I thought you got pregnant and you had a baby, and uh, um, you took that baby home, and your whole life was changed. So this was like interrupting. Mm-hmm. My my sense of what my life was going to be. Yeah, your life plan. Yeah, exactly. And then, um, um, I, I, I somehow I got through that first year just by um, thinking of him and uh, still wondering why no one can answer any of my questions. Uh, then when I got pregnant again, and wh- and how long was that? Uh, well, it was a year, let's see, it was a year later when uh-huh. the second baby died, so I don't know, shortly, I guess. Yeah, so a few months after the first baby died, you were pregnant again? Yes. Okay. And uh, I, on the following New Year's Eve, this is an unbelievable thing, my, my life became a rerun. 
I had a second chance and a second midnight trip to the hospital mm-hmm. and a second little boy born two months early. Mm-hmm. What, what I learned, what I learned from um, the doctor then, once you go into labor and have a baby, uh, if it's six months or seven months or eight months, your next pregnancy, your uterus becomes used to doing that then. Somehow mm. it's a clock kind of a thing. And it was, um, and that, and he was explaining this to me, why, why could this happen just the same two months early? Um, he had an identical, identical little face, but uh-huh. I had those same, I went to the same hospital and had the same doctor, and I, looking back on that, why didn't I change? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I, you, you do things that you look back on and you can't understand at all. Yeah, especially when you're very young like oh, that. You know, I was, and I, I just, uh, and also another thing in there, which I think is a life lesson that I will talk about later, but I didn't want to hurt my my father-in-law's feelings by changing doctors. Mm-hmm. You know, isn't that isn't that just dumb? <laughs> but, you, you know, I I was young right. and I thought, oh, I can't. No, he he's a doctor. He must. So you have all these things in your mind that you try to figure out, mm-hmm. and you need to just stop and and uh, uh, look at yourself and say, wait a minute, what am I thinking? What's really important here? A baby. Or my father-in-law's feelings, you know. Mm-hmm. Anyway, right. um, he had the same problem. His lungs uh, were struggling to take in air. And, uh, again, I remember saying, oh, that must be able to do something. I held, I just, I, the nurse, uh, the same nurse delivered him. And she was... And the doctor didn't get there again? No, he didn't get there at all then until after I was, after the baby was born. And, um you know, it's funny. I have these on on uh, on holidays, and I'm thinking, you know, New Year's Eve, he was probably at a party or something. I'm not blaming him at all, it, <laughs> but but I mean, I sure as heck did this. <laughs> anyway, um, uh, I I held him. I reached over and took him from this nurse's arms because I could. I knew what was going to happen. What happens when they when preemies try so desperately to to live? You can see their chest um, go in like you put your fist there because they're uh-huh. they're just struggling so yeah. hard. It was I was so filled with anger um, after he died. I, this little guy struggled so hard to to live, and I thought he's trying so hard, and there's nothing I can do. Mm-hmm. And so I reached over from the nurse and and picked him up and held him uh, until he. Uh, died mm-hmm. and um, one thing that that I learned I guess one of the first things I learned about these two experiences was that uh, I started thinking about God and how I knew God had been with me both of those nights and I knew I'd already made every promise I could ever make to him but I still kept praying that he please try somehow to erase this time and to take it back, or to take it back, or to uh, make it a nightmare, and I'll wake up. Mm-hmm. Um, this was all after the fact, but I thought only God could erase all this. Right, as and, so many of us think, and then you right, go to you, sleep and think you wake up, and it's exactly. not been real. And um, but no answer came back to me because there was no answer. This is what mm-hmm. this is the first thing I learned about this. There is no answer when something like this happens. Um, I I tried to deal with it by 
going back to that lonely, empty place in my mind, and I never knew I could hurt that much mm. until I finally faced the reality that life can be fragile, brief, and unfair, mm-hmm. and I could never understand or change it. Um, I thought that was important to know because that I realized I found some kind of a truth here because I can't, you can't change it, and you have to just accept that this is happening, and you have to know that you can go on and you can live with this because you've learned from it. Now, Palladia, let me ask you a question. Um, obviously, you were recovering from having a baby. Right. And uh, and the insights that you received, how were you right at first, just for some of our audience who've just lost children? You mean physically or? Yeah, physically and mentally, and where were you? And were your family around you? Was your husband there? How did, my, how did everyone husband, deal with it? My husband was not there either time. Mm-hmm. He had, he was on a golf tournament out of town, and then he was somewhere else. And so I, this was very, that's why I, when I think of this, I think of it as me and my baby, because uh, he wasn't there to share it with me. So you were very much alone. I was very much alone. Mm-hmm. In fact, um uh, my father-in-law, Dr. Whedon, came in to the hospital to see me and afterwards, the day after. Incidentally, they had put me into a maternity ward. Uh, afterwards. And, and they're uh. all bringing their babies, and I'm just sitting there, and I, you know, well, what happened to you? Where's your baby? Do you have a boy or a girl? Mm. And that was, that was the worst time of it all. Because, I was going to say, that's traumatic. I mean, I, you know, what did they think? I, mm. I don't, this was a small hospital, but still, they were mm-hmm. medical people. Mm-hmm. And um, I, uh, I thought, I, I felt like... Uh, I remember telling myself, oh, come on now, I have to, you know, I just have to, I have to get back the way I was. It's okay. I mean, I can't, I can't bring them back. And it's, and I just talked to myself a lot. And I remember, I thought, I have to try to put myself back together. And I had all these conversations with myself. But it was hard to find the me I used to be because I knew I would never be different. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, I love that. You, it was hard to find the person you used to be. Really? Yeah. It, it really is because you are changed after this. Right. Um, and it, and God help me if, if they were, an, if I, if they had lived longer and become a, an older child. I mean, I, I have such compassion for people that lose a child of any age. Um, if I could hurt this much just having them a short while, I don't know how other people go through it, except that I have some secrets that I've, not secrets, but some thoughts that I've, I've had that I think would help uh, people. Uh, and I started thinking about them during this, during this time. Um, it's that. Well, you know what I, before we get to yes, those, I want to ask you one question that comes yes. up for me. Now you have two other children. Yes. Son and Could you tell us about getting pregnant again? Uh, yeah. And, sure. and then uh, I want to, want to definitely move on a little bit further on the show or yeah. some ideas that you have for yeah. people. But, but what, you know, how long did you wait and, and, um, how, and how did you have the courage to do that? And, you oh, know, I, I, oh my. I couldn't, um, I couldn't not do it because I, w- I w- probably would have kept on getting pregnant all the time trying to find, trying to have a baby. But what I learned in this, in this interim is that first of all, I have to uh, have a different doctor and a different uh, hospital and different care. Mm. So you really had to pull your 
stuff together to do that, right? You, you had do. to, and you and you, you know, you have to you have to forget the grief and start beginning again because you're still alive and you have your life to go. You know, your life's going to go on, and you have to. And so I kind of folded in my mind. I kind of folded up my questions and uh, all of this, all of these things, and put them away like I would fold up a blanket and put it in a drawer. And I, uh, uh, I began to get one thing in my mind, and that I think decided me, helped to decide me to get pregnant. Um, and how long was this? Uh, several months before I got pregnant. I don't know. Just how long mm-hmm. after your baby died did you get pregnant? Uh, that's what I'm trying to think. Oh, okay. Well, with the second baby, okay, after the second baby, it was uh, two and a half years oh, okay. before. You waited a while. Mm-hmm. Right. But um, uh, I realized that then that uh, uh, I had I had this, this, it was like I got it. Mm-hmm. And what I got was it's not as important to understand life as it is to see the wonder in it. Mm-hmm. And I dwelled on that a lot because having a baby is a wonder, mm-hmm. and uh, this gave me kind of an inner an inner strength that I never knew I had. And I stopped questioning why about anything in life. And then, did you get? How did you get the courage to? What? How did you feel when you found out you were pregnant? Was I was I was elated. I remembered when I called. Uh, I mean, when I found out I was pregnant. Uh, they didn't have cell phones then, and uh, I had a. I ran to a payphone and called my husband, and he wasn't in his office. I called my mother, and she wasn't home. I called my sister, and I called my brother, and no one was home. And I thought, here I am. I want to tell the world, mm-hmm. and and no one's no one's home. <laughs> I remember that funny little instance. Um, but with my um, my boy was born first. He's born. So, um, let me say something yeah. about about no one's home yeah. because I think you were really home then for yourself. <laughs> I do too. I the, I wasn't lost. I was home. <laughs> yeah, and with the first two, maybe there was no one home, but you know, and more lonely. But That's as right. you say, I think maybe you figured out that you were home. I had I had such confidence in this doctor, just a great doctor. I was going to say you got very proactive. Oh, I did. Well, okay. I, you know, I was. I'm very, um, I have a lot of strength. I mean, I was, I've always been skinny and, uh, uh, you know, not fragile looking, but I mean, I can really, especially when it's about children, I get, I get this from my mother. My mother would hear, um, a baby crying in a market and she would walk over with me following her and, and say, oh, this dear little baby and, and pick him up. And the mother would be standing there. And, uh, you know, she would have been, my mother would have been arrested now. I mean, you don't do that. But she just said, now look, if you look at this color and this kind of thing, all of a sudden the baby was laughing and we would just walk on like, you know, like nothing happened. And I think I have a little bit of those genes in me because when it comes to kids, I'm very, uh, very proactive. One of the um, best things that ever happened to me uh, was uh, this doctor that I, uh, the OBDYN that delivered my son Rick, um, he knew of my past history, of course, and so he had a uh, probably one of the most dedicated um, pediatrician that uh, specializing in preemies 
was there in on the delivery. So I had, right. with coming from no care, I had just all of this wonderful care. And um, um, even though it was hard, it was hard going because he still was having t- trouble breathing. They now had the first step into a, a neonatal field. They had. Mm-hmm. He was a preemie. Rick was a preemie. Rick, I was born at eight months. Okay. And um, uh, so I, you know, I, but somehow I, I mean, I worried, but not as much because I knew that people that really knew what to do were helping me and helping mm-hmm. him. It's an interesting thing. I, I there was a. He was born in St. Mary's Hospital in Long Beach, and uh, they have two nurseries there. It's a huge hospital, and this was in December of 56, so this was a long time ago. But they just had isolates replacing incubators, which they mm-hmm. were the same thing but more advanced. And um, if they hadn't had those, Rick probably wouldn't have lived either mm-hmm. um, because the neonatal units hadn't, uh, the NIC units weren't available until the, the next, it was, it was just starting to begin uh, during that period. And so Rick really was a, a, a miracle baby, but it's because I had this great care. It's so important you don't know about it till after you don't have that kind of care. Right. Well, Fletty, let me ask you, if we have some folks out there who maybe have had a, a child by um, a premier or whatever and they're trying to get the courage to um, get pregnant again or they're pregnant and afraid, or what, what recommendations would you have to people? You what just, helped you? You... I think what helped me the most was that uh, um, I knew that that you can't give up. Uh, you can't give up and just stop your and stop living. Mm-hmm. And if you still want children, um, you have to try again um, because, especially now, I mean the um, the care that they can give preemies uh, now. One thing I should make clear, though, my baby, they, were, they had no really physical problems. I just had them early. Right. And so, um, uh, but the thing is, there, the advancement in that whole um, uh, premature field, mm-hmm. and even in even in a full-term baby, they can do so much more now than they could right. before. So now and they maybe, probably oh. would have lived. Oh, oh absolutely, they yeah. would have. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They would have. And one of the things I'm thinking that you might say to those folks out there, one of the things that I've really heard from you, Flavia, is I don't hear that you are angry with the the medical world. Oh, yeah, not at all. In fact, you see, look what they taught me. Mm-hmm. I think I think that's that's the thing. I have uh, I hang out with uh, a doctor. <laughs> I'm divorced, <laughs> but I mean, but I mean. Um, there are so many wonderful thing, wonderful people in that field, and the technology is so great. Um, this is if you're going to have a baby, this is the time to have it. Right, but I also hear don't hear you being angry at your father-in-law. Oh no, no. I mean, you know, there are a lot of people that carry these hurts around forever. Oh, uh, and the thing is, oh yeah, I don't. I and I, re- I it just I was angry. I think because I had to blame somebody. You mm-hmm. know. And I really didn't blame him. I, looking all back at this, I blame myself. Mm-hmm. But at I, first, you may have been angry. But how, how did you give that up? Because that's one of the things I see with our folks. Early on, they have a lot of anger, and well, then people who seem to have moved, you know, beyond that, it seems to you, to you make have, their life a lot brighter. You have to have uh, the courage. It's courage, and you have to reach inside yourself 
and say, I, I can get through this, and this is the... Uh, see, that's another thing. There was no... There is no answer to why. Mm-hmm. Why did this happen? I mean, I used to, You know, I was so angry at first. I don't understand. Why did this happen? Why? I took care of myself. I was so careful. Oh, this, this, this. None of that matters. The fact is, the baby died. The child died. But you still have that that baby, that that love and that, that child inside your heart, and you will never let it go. Well, that's what I love. I love in your quote when you say, my healing began when I realized I could not have felt this sadness about losing my babies unless I had first been blessed with the joy of loving and wanting them. See, that kind of embraced that. It's a, and it's very, very important because I think so many people, um, I remember to, to someone who, who, after I lost the second baby, someone said to me, uh, uh, oh, I, I'm, they were so sorry and they were just so sweet and nice, but uh, it, she just said, now, you, you know, you can go on without children. And I thought, wait a minute, wait a minute. And then I realized, um, I'll, even if I don't have another child, I, I still have those because that's really how I feel. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't, you don't really lose something. You, they're still with you wherever you are. Mm-hmm. And and I think you have to accept that and know that it's true. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you do hold them in your heart, and oh, you yeah. realize that she was right. You could go on because we do have some of our audience who do not have other children and and are going on. And even with that, you have to understand that somehow, somewhere, uh, in a place we don't know about, there are reasons for this, and maybe those reasons are to make us uh, learn things from each experience, because I think that we do. Mm-hmm. So, Flavia, do you have any special rituals that you do to remember your children? Yes, I do, and I, this is going to be the most different one you've ever heard, I know. Um, one night, I guess shortly after my second baby died, um, I was went outside and I was looking at the stars. It was a beautiful night, and I... Uh, looked up, I was looking at all the stars, and I saw two stars that were so close they were almost one, but I, I could see that, it was, that they were two. And um, all of a sudden I found myself um, thinking those could be my two little, boy, my two little boys. Mm. So I started talking to them, and uh, all alone, <laughs> this dark <laughs> night, and um, I... Uh, I kept those stars. I, I was talking to them and telling them that, uh, you know, that I still love them and that they were with me mm-hmm. and that I could talk to them now even though I couldn't see them and I could talk to them in those, uh, when I looked at those stars. And that gave me a great deal of comfort. And uh, it's interesting because now I, when I have my daughter and my, I mean my son and my daughter that was born uh, two years after my son, mm-hmm. um, I hear them sometimes um, talking. Of course, they're adults now, and, and I have two granddaughters. But uh, they still, all the time they were growing up, we we kept, I kept um, the idea that they had two little brothers, and we talked about them. Even when uh-huh. I would, even when I would paint, mm-hmm. uh, I went back when I started painting um, again. I had such uh, I got a two sided easel easel for these two little children. And we would talk and paint, and they'd and they would ask me about, and what about that little brother? Can he see me? 
things like this. So I kept them alive. I would love everyone to go to your website. It is so fabulous. And you do, I'm just amazed at all the things that you do that you show on your website. First, there's a great picture of you. Wow. Very lovely. Thank you. <laughs> but you have all these wonderful products and you have even, um, well, check, uh, blank checks. I love that. They're absolutely adorable. And, um, and you're, you have, uh, e-cards that people can send out and, and talk posters and yeah, talk a little bit more about your art and, and what it means to you and tell our audience how they can well, uh, access it. Well, I kind of start at the beginning a little bit here. I, um, after I lost the, the, my first two babies, um, my husband and I divorced and, oh, no, 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 no. Yes, that's true. We divorced. We've been divorced mm-hmm. twice, so I get kind of mixed up. We, we divorced. <laughs> And I, um, you've been divorced with the same man twice. Yeah, that very div- oh. isn't that isn't that's another dumb thing I do. <laughs> uh, I don't know. It must it must be something karmic <laughs> about that relationship. Anyway, so you okay. you got divorced after the boys died, and and I, um, uh, knew I had to. Wait a minute. No, you know what? I'm sorry. I wasted some time here. It was after I had my son and daughter. Oh, okay. That we divorced. So years later, yes, and I but I still had this same feeling that I I had now to um, uh, support my both my children and myself, and I thought these are some things that people I, I'm sure other people have felt. Sometimes you have to reach way inside and think, okay, now what what could what could I do and still stay at home with my with my babies? Yeah, you have to get creative, right? You really do, and you uh, I tried, you know. A few little jobs, none of it worked. I'd had a great career before I got married, but I it was traveling. Were you in art before you got married? Well, I was in fashion design and mm. merchandising and and <laughs> all those kind of things. So the world of color and line was very important to me, and I had loved to paint and write. Mm-hmm. So um, I sat out on the front lawn one day, thinking, "Please, God, I've got you've got I've got to do something that I can stay here with them." And all of a sudden, I guess this is kind of out of uh, context here, uh, because the person that gave me the greatest inspiration in my life was, uh, I'll say this very quickly, was my mother's kid brother, Jack, who was only a few years older than I was. Mm-hmm. And I used to talk to the moon when I was a child. <laughs> and uh, we lived in a poor area, and I used to tell the moon how much I disliked my name because no one could pronounce it and the kids laughed at it and then we lived across the street from a tire factory and next to a railroad tracks and I wanted to live somewhere else and all these things that can worry a nine and ten year old I told to the moon because I didn't want to uh, I, I, I kept everything inside and Jack heard me we we lived in the same house and he heard me and told me the next day the things that really changed my life he told me that uh, uh, you see the up in the sky. Said, you see those clouds? Behind those clouds are all your dreams and all your wishes, and they're just waiting mm-hmm. for you. And he said, it doesn't um, it doesn't matter where we live. That's not important. He said, you have to change the way you think. If you change the way you think, that won't matter anymore because that's unimportant anyway. And he mm-hmm. said, and I want you, when you go to school tomorrow, I want you to look around and see if any of these kids that have been laughing at you were named after a princess in a book because you were. 
<laughs> and which was true. And uh, I. Uh, I well, it's I, certainly a wonderful name, well, and it's also it? a wonderful name for all your products. I was saying, uh, well, it is great. because it, it, it fits you. I knew I was the only Flavia in the world because mm-hmm. who you know, and I still. But now I didn't mind spelling it or pronouncing it. And when I went to Italy, Flavia is everywhere, mm-hmm. and so um, the, I was. Became proud. Now, going back to this thing now about me supporting myself, uh, Jack is the one who told me uh, it's the way you look at life. You have to look at life in a different way, and you'll start seeing things change, and those things won't matter. And so he said, "You can you can do anything you ever want to do, but you have to never give up. Just hard work will keep it." And he told me all these things. He was only sixteen years old. <coughs> I do not know he had such insight. Um, it was remarkable. So back I am, and there's Ron in my, my house, and I'm talking. And you've lost two children, and you've got uh-huh. two children, and you're divorced, and you're saying, now what? I'm saying, I, I, I'm changing the way I'm looking at life, and I'm going right. to do this, whatever it is. Right. And I, then all of a sudden, um, I could hear Jack's voice saying <laughs> to me, uh-huh. um, Flavia, uh, you can do it. Actually, I heard him. I mean, it's, it's uh-huh. I know I hear it's you. strange. But, uh, and, and by the way, audience, you can hear Flavia say that. Say it for them, Flavia. <laughs> um, you, you can, can do, do it. it. It sounds so easy and all of this, and the thing is, it is easy. But, but you have to believe you can do it. And right. since once, some, once you know someone believes in you, it's easy to believe in yourself. And if you believe in yourself, it's a gift you're giving yourself, and you can do anything. And I, I thought, oh, I'm, you know, this is my answer. It's just like I didn't have to ask why anymore. Jack knew it all the time. Right. And so um, this is what I did. I started painting again, and I, uh, uh, my first art show was coming up. I, I, it was open art show. Well, I know it's getting late here, but anyway. <laughs> well, let me, Flavia. I don't want to. I don't want to miss this for our audience. So okay. the thing I want to say to the audience is, Flavia, give us your website. Oh, it just it's Flavia. You will remember. You can Google Flavia artist and tell us some of the things you've got on there. It's really wonderful. Well, it's it, we have the stories. I've written a lot of stories, and my daughter and I have co-authored a lot of uh, of of. Um, Books mm-hmm. um, and it's uh, and then you illustrate cards. them. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, great. And uh, we uh, we have cards and uh, as you said, posters and and e cards that are fun to send. Mm-hmm. Oh yes, you can. And them. wallpaper. I loved your wallpaper. Oh my god, I didn't yeah. even know it was on there. <laughs> <laughs> I stay so busy, I don't know what the other fingers are doing. <laughs> oh, I, you know that this is my life. I, we can tell by the website. It's wonderful. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. It's really great. And it's very healing. You're a great inspiration, Flavia. And oh, thank I you so much for being on the show. And uh, I know you're an inspiration to others who uh, are going through their own journey and uh, and the, the idea that um, they just have to believe in themselves, and you certainly have. And thank you so much for being on the show. You're thank very you, welcome, both of you. You have been listening to Open to Hope Radio. You can sign up for our newsletter, Facebook, and Twitter on our homepage at opentohope.com.